0: Hey, take your Bible, everybody, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Today, you and I are continuing in our series that we've entitled Just Jesus. And that's what we're doing. We're focusing upon our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because we believe God wants us to be becoming more and more like him. You want to know what my personal goal is for myself? And that is that this year I pray that I will be uh, less Randy and more Jesus. (laughs) That's my prayer for me. I'll be less like me and more like Jesus. And I believe that's God's will for all followers of Christ, that we become more and more like him. And that's why we want to focus on His life. And we want to let the Holy Spirit reveal to us, show us uh, who Jesus was and, and, and the essence of His nature. So that we can embrace that and allow the Holy Spirit to help us to become more and more like Him. Now today we're going to look at one of the great stories in the Word of God It's one of these uh, miracle stories in the life of Jesus where he actually raised someone from the dead. But as we read through this story, I'm going to ask you uh, to, uh, you know, I want you to be uh, impressed by that. I, I, I want you to see the wonder of that. Someone who was dead, that was raised back to life again. I mean, that's, that's glorious. And God does things like that uh, to bring glory unto himself through the Son. We know Jesus said that's why he worked miracles, so that God the Father could be glorified through the Son. And in God's plan and purpose, he will work miracles like this, and, and it fulfills that purpose of glorifying God and uh, through the Son, Jesus Christ. And that's what happened here. But I want you to look a little deeper than just the wonder of someone being raised from the dead, <clears throat> because I believe that this is a story about faith, not just the wonder of someone being raised from the dead, but it's a story about faith. And I want you to see if you can see faith in this story as we read it. Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. And would you stand with me all over the building today as you and I together honor the word of the Lord? And when Jesus had crossed again into the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. And he was beside the sea. And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue. Jairus by name, and seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making such a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all out and he took the child's father and mother, those who were with him, and went in to where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha komai, which means little girl, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know of this and told them to give her something to eat. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. And I pray this morning that you will look out over this congregation of people. And that you will look upon the hearts of those who are watching online. And I pray you will seek out those who are hungry, those who have come in earnest to the table of the Lord. And I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, will write these truths of faith upon our hearts and help us not to be people of fear, but to be people of faith. And we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. You may be seated and the Lord bless you. Man, what a great story here. This little girl was dead and, uh, Jesus comes of course and raises her back to life again. Uh, someone asked me one time, they said, how come, uh, God doesn't raise the dead today like he did in Bible times? Well, um, to tell you the truth, God still does raise people from the dead today. It's, uh, it happens very infrequently. It doesn't happen just all the time. But in my lifetime, I have known of instances where people have been raised from the dead. One particular case I know of in Africa where someone even who had been embalmed and had been dead for a couple of days... Uh, was raised from the dead. This was chronicled by uh, the news and the papers. And uh, so it does happen today. It just doesn't happen a lot. But the truth of the matter is, it's never happened a lot. And uh, I mean, if God wants you to live longer, uh, he'll just heal you (laughs) or give you health. Uh, he doesn't have to wait till you're dead to raise you from the dead. Now, he does do that, and we know why he does it. For his particular reason and purpose, and that is that the Father may be glorified through the Son. So God will do things like this. He did it in Bible days, but it was also very infrequent in Bible days. It doesn't seem that way because, you know, you can sit down and read the whole New Testament in just a few hours, And so it seems like every other page, somebody's being raised from the dead. But the truth of the matter is, in all of Bible history, all of the 4,000 years uh, of Bible history, there is only recorded in the Scripture eight times where somebody uh, prayed for someone and they were raised from the dead. And all of the 4,000 years of the Scripture, only eight times. Uh, for, For instance, there were three times in the Old Testament all of them are recorded in First and 2 Kings. Elijah was used by the Lord on three different occasions to raise someone from the dead. And then we know that Jesus uh, raised somebody from the dead three times. And then you read the book of Acts and uh, once Peter was used to raise someone from the dead and once the apostle Paul was used to raise someone from the dead. So in all of 4,000 years of Bible history, there were only eight times when somebody was prayed for and was raised from the dead. Many times when somebody was healed and God prolonged their life. And even more times than that, when God gave people good health and prolonged their lives, But every now and then God would do this. And of course, you have to add the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself was raised from the dead. So that's nine times in all of Bible history that we have someone raised from the dead. Now, what does that say to us today? Well, it causes me to want to look deeper than just this person being raised from the dead. Because God did that to glorify himself and for his own purpose. And by the way... Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead has been giving God glory for 2,000 years since it happened. Can you say amen? And so God has been glorified, that was his purpose, through this tremendous miracle of Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead. But I want us to look deeper today because I think this is more than just a story of someone being raised from the dead. I believe this is a story about faith, And God wants you and I to be people of faith. Now, we're living in a day when people all around us, society, our culture, is embracing fear more than they are faith. And that is even leaked into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm here today to declare to you that God does not want his followers to live by fear. He wants us to live by faith. God doesn't want us making decisions based on fear. He wants us to make decisions based on faith. God doesn't want our lives to be dictated by fear. He wants our lives to be dictated by faith. And so today we're going to look at how we can, uh, some practical things that we can do to embrace faith instead of fear. Now don't get me wrong, there are a lot of things out there today to be afraid of. But when you have Jesus living on the inside of you, then you understand that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And even though there are some things to be afraid of out there in the world, we don't live by fear because we have Jesus living on the inside of us. Can you say amen? Amen. We live by faith, not fear. And That's what Jesus said to Jairus that day. He said, do not fear, only believe. Say that with me. Do not fear, only believe. That's what Jesus said to Jairus that day. In other words, don't let fear dictate your life. You want faith to dictate your life. And so we want to talk about what that looks like a little bit today. Now, Uh, Notice in verse 36, Jesus gives us the essence of it. He talked about fear. And in the story, we see fear at work. Uh, When he got there to the home, uh, the people, he said there was a great commotion. And they were weeping and they were wailing. And they were allowing their emotions to overcome them. And they were letting fear sort of dictate to them. Uh, how they acted and how they reacted. And yet Jesus was trying to get them to embrace faith. So in verse 36, this is the essence of today's message. Do not fear, only believe. Now, when he says it like that, uh, you see this as a choice that you can make. Notice he didn't say God is going to take all the fear out and drop faith in you. He didn't say that. He said to Jairus, this is something I want you to do yourself. You, Jairus, do not fear. You, Jairus, only believe. (laughs) And so he's saying to Jairus, I want you to uh, put fear out and I want you to embrace faith. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit in the time we have today. How we can eject fear from our lives and how we can embrace faith. Why is it important? Because God responds to faith. Faith draws God's presence. Faith draws the Holy Spirit. Fear, on the other hand, draws the presence of the unholy spirit. Fear draws the presence of the enemy. And so when we operate in fear, What we're doing is we're putting a welcome mat out for the enemy to come and to do uh, bad things in our lives. But when we operate in faith, we're putting the welcome mat out for the Holy Spirit to come and do good things in our lives. Jairus had something good happen to him that day because he didn't put out the fear mat, he put out the faith mat. Can you say amen? And that's what we want to do. We don't want fear to draw evil to us. We want faith to draw God to us. How many of you believe when you're going through something tough, you need more of God? Let me see your hand. Hold it up. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, so it's something that Jairus can do. Jesus said, Jairus, do not fear, only believe. It's something I want you to do, Jairus. And I believe he's saying that to me today. Randy, Randy. Do not fear, only believe. I believe he's saying that to you today. If you're watching online, do not fear, only believe. He say, how do I do that? Well, in the story, we see some things that I want to point out to you. First of all, if we're going to exercise faith in our lives, if we're going to live by faith, then it has to be part of our whole being. It can't just be, uh, compartmentalized in our life. can't just be part of who we are, part of what we do. It's got, it's got to consume our being. And so we've got to be wholly uh, involved in embracing faith if we're going to see miracles in our lives like they did here 2,000 years ago. And it starts with the heart. As all spiritual things do, it starts with your heart. Now when I'm talking about your heart, I'm not talking about that little muscle that pumps blood through your body. You know I'm talking about that deep part of you, that inner core, that spirit part of you that brings life to this mortal body. And as long as that that's that inner the heart that spirit that inner you that that knowing place that only you and god know about that inner place there As long as that's present then there's life in these mortal bodies When that spirit someday departs Then these bodies will go back to the dust from which they were formed You know that and so it's got to begin in the heart and that's what happened with Jairus Jairus believed in his heart that if he could just get Jesus to come, that his little girl would be okay. (laughs) And so, I mean, he could have chosen to stay back with the wailers. He could have chosen to stay back with the criers. He could have chosen to stay back in all of the uh, fear-filled commotion that was taking place around this little girl being sick unto death and eventually dying. But Jairus didn't do that. His heart drew him out of that environment and drew him toward Jesus. And that's what a heart of faith will always do. It'll draw you toward Jesus. And so uh, it starts in our heart. If we're gonna exercise faith, it has to begin in that deep part of us. Because your heart affects how you think and how you think affects what you say. And what you say determines life or death in your life. I'll show you that in the word of God. First, let's take the heart. In 1 Corinthians chapter two, verse number 11, here's what it says. For what a man knows or for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit which is in him. In other words, there's nobody here can know what's really going on in my heart except me and God. We're the only two. That's that deep place. And so that's where we're talking about. And that's where faith has to begin. It begins with a deep-rooted belief. What did Jesus say? Do not fear, only what? Believe. Do not fear, only what? Believe. And so that's where it starts. A deep-rooted belief that with God, nothing is impossible. You see, you have to develop a confidence in God in the deepest, most, most inner part of your being who you are. You have confidence in God. You believe that with God, nothing is impossible. And by the way, make sure I got the right group here today. How many of you believe that with God, nothing is impossible? Let me see your hand, hold it up. I know we've got the right group here. You gotta believe that deep down in the soul of who you are, in that innermost being that nobody can see except you and God. In your heart, you have to exercise faith. I believe that with God, nothing is impossible. It may seem impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. People around me may be saying it's impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. You gotta believe that in the depth of your heart. And that's where faith begins. Faith begins in your hearts. And that's why the word of God is so important in your life. Because the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, when you engage the Word of God, it affects not just your intellect. You see, when you engage the Word of God, it's not just academic, it's spiritual. It goes beyond just your mind and it goes to the depth of who you really are. It's a matter of the heart. When you engage the Word of God, it affects your heart. So, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Every time you engage God's word, then it's an opportunity for faith to rise up in your soul, for faith to rise up in your heart. And that's where it begins. But it doesn't just stop there. Because remember, we said that if you're going to have miracles then faith has to be, has to envelop every part of your being. <laughs> it can't just be something you believe and don't act on. It can't just be something you believe and don't talk about. It's got to envelop every, uh, every part of your being if we're going to live by faith and if we're going to walk by faith. But it begins with the heart. Jairus, believe, if I can just get to Jesus. You see, that's a heart matter. If I can just get to Jesus, then my little girl is going to be all right. He exercised faith in his heart. Number two, God wants us to exercise faith in our minds, in how we think, how we process information. And uh, it's something that God wants us to take uh, authority over and he wants us to take control of. Because you and only you are in charge of what you think about. And I want to show you that in the word right now. First of all, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to read to you a portion of verse number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. And here's what it says. And again, this is not, well, first let's look at what it says. Then we'll look at what it doesn't say. All right, here's what it says. Take every thought, say that with me, take every thought captive in obedience to Jesus Christ. Take every thought captive in obedience to Jesus Christ. Now that's what it says. Let me tell you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say God will make your thoughts be in obedience to Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's what it doesn't say. This is something that we're told to do. That means we can do it with an, with an act of our will. You understand what I'm saying? We can choose to do this. It's not something that will happen to you. So we don't pray, oh God, oh God, change my thoughts. Don't let those dirty thoughts come in anymore. Don't let those negative thoughts, those thoughts of death, those thoughts of fear, uh, take those thoughts away, take those thoughts away. No, we don't pray like that because God has given you lordship over your thoughts. You're in control of your thoughts. And here he says to us, you, we're saying God take them away. He's saying, no, you take them away. <laughs> I want you to take them away. I want you to take every thought captive into obedience to Christ, all right? And so if we're gonna do that, then we know it's an act of our will. now. You can't be responsible for what comes into your mind, because sometimes through the eye gateway, sometimes through the ear gateway, sometimes through experiences we have, uh, you know, you'll find yourself uh, with thoughts that maybe are unpleasing to the Lord or are not in alignment with God's Word, and so that happens uh i wish it didn't happen but it does happen and from time to time a thought will come to you that you know is not pleasing to the lord but it's when that thought comes that we have to obey the word here because what you are in control of is what stays in your mind now this is a distinction we need to get clear you can't be responsible always for what comes into your mind, but you can be responsible for what stays in your mind, what you linger on, what you think about, what you allow to to stay in your thought processes. You're in control of that. And that's why the Bible says here, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so... God wants us to take those negative thoughts, those fearful thoughts, uh, those thoughts that are not in alignment with his word, and when they come, we cast them out. We cast them out. You say, well, what if they come back? Well, who's going to win this, you or the devil? Cast them out again. You say, well, what if they come back? Well, who's going to win this, you or the devil? Cast them out again, you see. And you bring every thought into obedience to Jesus Christ. That means you cast out the godless thoughts and you discipline yourself to think about God thoughts, the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so you surplant the negative with the positive. You surplant the fear with the faith. You uh, surplant the things that are not in alignment with God's word with the word of God itself. And you're in charge of that. And you keep doing it. In verse 4, by the way, before uh, verse 5 here in Second Corinthians chapter 10, here's what it said. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down imaginations. Casting down. And so when those thoughts come, uh, you can't be responsible for what comes in, but you are responsible for what stays in. And so when those thoughts come, you cast them down. And then you start thinking about faith. You start thinking about the word of God. You say, what if it comes back? You cast it again. Let me ask you a question. If if someone were to try to break into your house tonight, 10 o'clock, you're getting ready for bed. And someone were to try to break into your house. uh, How many of you would just say, uh, well, I knew this day was coming. And uh, so uh, come on in and uh, help yourself. Here's all my stuff i got a nice piano over there. Can I help you carry it to your truck? It's heavy. Uh, You might need a little help with that. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd do everything within your power to take those intruders and do what with them? Get them out. (laughs) Get out of here. I don't want you in my house. I want you out of here. Why? They've come to do harm. They, they, They have bad intentions. And that's like fear thoughts. Fear thoughts come to do you harm. And so you don't just let them stay, you cast them out. And uh, then you uh, do some things to make sure, if it ever happens again, that you can cast them out again. You say, well, what if they come back? Oh, I know what you would do if they come back. You'd say, you know what, you're really showing tenacity here. I never thought you'd come back a second time. But since you did, just come on in and help yourself. By the way, my daughter's in there, you know, uh, have your way with her. You know, just, uh, you know, here, just... just you wouldn't do that. You'd fight with everything within you to get those, uh, uh, ill intended people out of your house. And then you'd probably get a security, uh, camera and you might even get one of those things that calls the police automatically. And, uh, you might even come up with another few little surprises that I won't talk about here in mixed company. But my point is, you would do everything within your power to cast them out because they've come to do you harm. Can you say amen? And you do the same thing with your thoughts. You don't just succumb. You don't just roll over. <laughs> you don't just just lie there uh, letting fear faults. Uh, fear thoughts dominate your life and dominate your thinking and dominate your choices. No. You cast them down. And if they try to come back, cast them down again. They try to come back, cast them down again. And you bring every thought into obedience to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So if we're going to exercise faith, uh, first of all, we've got to, uh, it starts in your hearts. It starts in your heart, that core place, that belief place. Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. So it starts there, all right? And then we follow through in our mind. We've got to think, faith, thoughts, not fear thoughts. And you're in charge of what stays in your mind. You do it. You bring every thought into obedience to Jesus Christ, all right? The next place where we exercise faith is in our mouth, in our mouth. A lot of Christians do not really understand the power of their words. That the words you say actually affect your life. The Bible teaches that. There's power in our words. And that's why if we're going to exercise faith like Jairus did, I want you to notice what Jairus said. He said to Jesus, if you will only come and touch her, she will be healed. That's what Jairus said. My daughter will be well. He spoke those words. My daughter will be well if you will only come and touch her. And so he had faith in his heart. We know that he sought Jesus out. He had faith in his mind. We know that. Uh, because he didn't stay back there with the whalers, and here now he's exercising faith with his words, with the words that he speaks. Did you know in James chapter three verse two, it says this: We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he speaks. if anyone is never at fault in what he says he is a perfect man and able to control his entire body. And so there's power in your words. And here the Bible says that and a better word than perfect there would be mature. And so you're mature and able to control the whole body. In Proverbs 18, 21, here's what it says. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. And so there's power in what we say. And that's why we need to operate in faith in our heart, truly believe, operate in faith in our mind. We take control of our thoughts into obedience to Jesus Christ. And then we speak faith words, not fear words. Positive, not negative. Life, not death. Because a lot of times we bring unnecessary hardship upon us by the words that we speak. Now, is there anybody in here besides me that's lived long enough to have experienced this in your own life? Uh, You have said something at some point in your life that made things worse and not better. Don't raise your hand, all right? Don't raise your hand because that's all of us. There have been times in my life when I just wished I'd have kept my big fat mouth shut. I wish I just said nothing rather than what I said because when I said it, it didn't make things better it made things worse. <laughs> That's happened to me, and it's happened to you. There have even been times when I've said something, and one microsecond after I said it, I wished I could have grabbed it and stuffed it back in my mouth. I knew as soon as I said it, the minute I said it, I thought, ah! Ah! this is not gonna go well, (laughs) this is not gonna work. And I used to see my boys do it all the time because I got a little bit smarter as I got older, but when my boys were coming up, they hadn't learned yet. And every now and then they'd smart off to their mother and I'd just stand back and say, oh, this is not gonna go well, this is not gonna go well. So our words, they can make things better or they can make things worse. And God wants to understand that there's power in what we say. That's why David said, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Don't let me harm myself and harm others with the words that come out of my mouth. And so we don't want to speak fear talk. We want to speak faith talk. We don't want to speak death. We want to speak life. Life. You know, when I was suffering a few weeks ago with covid And I had that double pneumonia. Uh, There were times when I, I could just barely, barely get my breath. And I remembered a scripture in the book of Psalms where David, when he was being harassed by Saul and Saul was trying to kill him, David made a declaration in one of the Psalms that he wrote. And what he said was, I shall not die, but live and proclaim God's glory. That's what David said. Those are the words he chose to say. I shall not die. He didn't mulligrub grub about the fact that Saul was trying to kill him. He wasn't, uh, you know, uh, speaking fear words. He said, I shall not die, but live and proclaim God's glory. And so... When I was sick, the enemy came to me many times. And the tests were terrible and the oxygen was terrible. And I could barely catch my breath. I had this double pneumonia. And uh, the devil would come to me and say, you're going to die, Randy. Everybody has an appointed time. This is your appointed time. This is it for you. You've had a good run, but it's over. And uh, you're going to be numbered among those who died of this double pneumonia. And I remember making up my mind. And there were times when I could barely say it. I mean, you wouldn't have been impressed if you'd have been there because it came out something like this. I shall not die, but live and proclaim God's Doesn't sound very powerful, does it? But that's all I had. (laughs) That's all I had. And and I would say it over and over. I, I shall not die, but live and proclaim God's glory. I shall not die, but live and proclaim God's glory. And then I got a little stronger so I could say it a little louder. And I would, I'd say, I shall not die, but live and proclaim God's glory. And after a few weeks, I got full breath back. Well, not full, but enough where I could uh, speak out loud and I would say it out loud. I shall not die, but live and proclaim God's glory. And I'd like to give God public praise here today that I did not die and I'm standing here today proclaiming God's glory. You see, God wants us to be people of faith. Not fear, not fear. And it starts in your heart. You gotta believe. Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. And then from there, we gotta have faith in the way we think. We don't think fear thoughts, we think faith thoughts. You you take control of your own thoughts. Then we watch our words and we don't go around speaking negative all the time. We we speak the Word of God. We speak faith. I don't know how. I don't know when. But God is going to bring me through this. He's going to bring me through this. Speak it. Speak it. With your tongue, you speak life or death. Speak life. Speak it. And then one last thing. And My time is gone, I know, but this is important. If you're going to operate in faith, it's got to be in your heart, in your mind, in your words. And then you've got to build a faith environment around you. I want you to notice what Jesus did when he got to Jairus' house. When he got to the house, he saw all of this wailing going on. It said there was a great commotion. All of these, uh, you know, she's dead, she's dead, she's dead. Just, just people allowing Their emotions to to dominate them. And Jesus rebuked them. He said, Why are you doing this? And then he cleared the house. I don't know if you've ever seen this in here before. But the first thing he did before he prayed for the girl, before he did anything, he cleared the house. He said, Everybody out. Everybody out. And then he picked a select few to go into the house with him. Who did he pick? Jairus, because Jairus was exercising faith, right? Jairus believed, he sought Jesus out, he spoke the words, Jairus was exercising faith. And so he let Jairus' wife come in. And then the three disciples that he brought with him, he said, you, you, and you come in, small group. And they went into the house And what Jesus did is he pushed out the environment of fear and he brought in the environment of faith. And then in that environment of faith, he walked over and he said, daughter, arise. (laughs) And he took her by the hand. And that 12 year old girl got to her feet and she was hungry. Anybody in here ever had a 12 year old in your house? First thing, she was hungry. Jesus said, get her something to eat. And friends, if you're facing something right now, you've got to build an environment of faith around you. Let me tell you what I see all the time, and it burdens my heart. Somebody would be going through something, a terrible something, and the first thing they do is stop coming to church. And I want to tell you something. It's the worst thing you could possibly do. It's the worst thing you could possibly do. Because if you need a miracle from the Lord, you need to build around you an environment of faith. People who believe, people who will stand with you, somebody who will pray for you, somebody who will hold on to God with you and for you. You you want to build an environment of faith. The first thing Jesus did when he got there is he said, all you fearful people, get out. You faith people come in and he built an atmosphere of faith. And that's what God wants you to do. Be careful who you hang around with. You need a miracle. Be careful who you allow to speak into your life. You want to surround yourself with faith people, thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words. And you want to build an environment of faith because in an environment of faith, miracles happen. Can you say amen? Miracles happen in an environment of faith. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Lord, this is a great thing that took place in your life and in your ministry. And we don't lessen the magnificence of someone who was dead being raised back to life. But Lord, I believe what you want us to see in this story is it's a story of faith. Because that's how we want to live. And I pray that you will help us, Lord. Help us to believe in our hearts and not fear. Help us to think faith thoughts and take control over what lingers in our minds. And help us to speak faith words, not words of death, not words of fear, not words of doubt, but faith words. Help us to build an environment of faith around us so that we can experience your best. (laughs) Your best in our lives. And we thank you and praise you for it. Congregation, would you stand to your feet, everyone standing in the name of the Lord. I'm going to ask all of my prayer counselors to come and line up across the front of this building. We're going to end this service today with a great altar call. Oh, some of you people that are watching online, I wish you could be here today because there's faith in this room. (laughs) There's an environment of faith here today. And around these altars, we're gonna be praying for people and laying hands on them, anointing them with oil, speaking faith words. And I believe we're gonna see miracles around the front of this building today as we close this service. But right there where you're at at home, You can experience a miracle if you'll just reach out in faith. God always responds to faith. Faith brings God on the scene. And God wants you to exercise your faith right there at home. And so congregation, will you bow your head and close your eyes right now? I want to pray for you. If there's anybody here today and you say, Pastor, what I really need is forgiveness of my sins right now before we leave this place if you'll ask him the lord will forgive you just whisper a prayer to him he's tuned into your heart right now just say lord i believe that you died on the cross and were raised from the dead i uh, i believe that you love me and right now i i'm sorry that i've sinned i ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me and lord i just i just surrender myself to you right now i want to I want to to follow you. I want to live for you. Just just whisper that to the Lord right now. He's listening to you. And his answer is yes. 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 And you can walk out of here with his forgiveness. Come on, just whisper that prayer to the Lord right now. If you're watching online, just whisper that prayer to the Lord. He's tuned into your heart right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Before we come to the altar, before we dismiss this service, would you let me speak a blessing over you and over your family? I believe in this, and I know you do too. And if you'd like to express your faith in the Lord, For his blessings on your life, lift both hands up. Come on, even at home, you're watching, lift both hands up right where you're at, right there, right now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord place his name upon you. The Lord bless your life. If you receive it in faith, clap your hands and give God praise right now. Thank you, Lord.